0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 1, through 1-6 called The Lord is Salvation.
1: I don't want to just nudge my neighbor every time I hear a good one that I think is for them. Huh? Huh? Did you hear that, honey? Did you hear that? Oh, I wish old so-and-so was here listening to this sermon. No, it's for you. It's for you. This is a vision that Isaiah saw. What's the word vision in Hebrew mean? It means a sight, it could mean a dream or a revelation. But it is a vision directed at God's people of Judah and Jerusalem. It is a vision that he saw, but what he saw specifically was a word from the Lord. If you go to Isaiah 2 and look at verse 1 quickly, it says, The word which Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. What he saw was the word of God. It was God's word to his people. It was his message. Who has believed our report? Now, when did Isaiah start to prophesy? Well, the conclusion is around 739 BC. And that is the year that King Uzziah died. If you go to chapter 6, this is Isaiah's call. Isaiah 6, in the year King Uzziah, of King Uzziah's death, 6-1, I saw the Lord. Sitting on a throne. Remember, he saw the word, and here he sees a vision of the Holy One. I saw uh, the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with a train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And by the way, that has not changed. The whole earth testifies to the glory of God. And when Isaiah saw this, notice the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. And then I said, notice, woe is me. I want you to keep that word woe in mind because we'll come back to that in chapter 1. I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Often prophets were called seers. They were the ones that were able to see past the initial... Outward uh, signs of a generation, what the messages of the culture said just externally. So a prophet was called a seer because he could see beyond, because he had spiritual eyes to see, because he was bringing a message of the Lord to the people. Often the people could only look at the externals and try to go with the flow and try to go for natural solutions or what we might call self salvation. And I submit to you that one of the big lessons that we'll learn in the book of Isaiah is that we will always fight the desire to save ourselves. We'll always fight the desire to fully yield to God, even if we don't consciously know that we're doing it. That's what the people of Israel were really doing. They would not fully yield to the Lord. They would not come into worship saying, God, you must do this or it will not get done. And even the seer said, when I saw God, I was ruined. Because when I see who he really is and see how I go about my business as a Christian, man, I'm undone. And the first thing that Isaiah directs his attention towards is his lips. He says, I'm a man of what? Unclean lips. James says in his book, this is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father. To visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. A verse before that, he talks about the tongue. If one is, says they're religious but cannot restrain their tongue, basically they are self-deluded. And so immediately when Isaiah, the seer, sees God, he immediately thinks of the way he talks. He immediately thinks of the way his generation talks. I went home for lunch today and I was watching... They were doing some sights and sounds of the NFL, and, uh, you know, I'm a sports guy. And so it's always interesting to to hear, you know, you, you see the coaches on the sidelines, but you never really hear what they're saying. So it was ironic. I saw a coach, he was running out onto the field, and they did a whole half an hour special on this particular coach, and he's very verbose and outspoken. And he made a sign of the cross as he was running out onto the field, And and then for the next half an hour, they had to bleep out about every fifth word that he said on the sidelines. And so I was thinking of that kind of dichotomy, that kind of profession or sign that you make that you represent someone or something, but then when they mic you, they have to bleep out nearly every fifth word that you say. And, I, and then I have to think, well, wait a minute, since I've been telling you guys this is not about blaming everybody else, it's about looking at us, what if they microphone me all day? Or my mind? That's probably where it gets a little bit more shaky. Because externally, maybe I can control my tongue, right? But God even knows my heart, right? And that's really what he wants. So the seer sees God. And notice his, his call is going to be very difficult. The Lord says, verse 8, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Notice the plurality there. And then I said, Here I am. Send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, this is Isaiah 6, 9, Keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull, their eyes dim, lest they see with their eyes hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return and be healed. That's what God desires. Then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, until cities are devastated and without inhabitant, houses are without people, and the land is utterly desolate. You will go out in your ministry, Isaiah, and you will preach, and you will preach, and you will preach, and you will preach, preach, And people will continue to do what they do. They will not listen. And you will come to the end of your life, and according to rabbinic tradition, under a king, they will saw you in half. That's how much they think of you as a prophet. They will kill you by, uh, rabbinic tradition says, sawing you in half with a wooden saw, which, by the way, is referenced in Hebrews chapter 11. So, that's the life of a prophet. Would you say here I am? Send me. Hmm. Well, this is the vision Isaiah one one that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. We don't know who Amos is, but we uh, have some rabbinic tradition that say that he was a cousin, I believe, or some relative of a king, which then gave Isaiah some uh, rights to get audience with high officials. And you'll notice in verse 1 that Isaiah's long stretch of prophetic ministry goes through the reigns of several kings. Verse 1, Isaiah 1 says the, the reigns of Uzziah. You remember his call comes in the year King Uzziah died. Jotham, which was his son. Ahaz, and then Hezekiah. These were all kings of Judah. And so this is the stretch of time where the seer is able to make his prophecy. Hold your finger in Isaiah and go to the book of Second Kings. So you're going to go towards Genesis now. Pass up the Psalms, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. Is that right? Yeah. Second Kings six. I want to show you just the insight into seeing the seeing of the seer. This is Second Kings six fifteen. And I think what God's trying to show us is that there's another way to look at life if you're willing to open your spiritual eyes. 2 Kings 6.15, Now when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, uh, what shall we do? 2 Kings 6.16, And so he answered, Do not fear, For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes. And he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. If you want a good example of a seer seeing, that's an example. The prophet saw that there were more for us than there were for them, but his prayer was, open his eyes, Lord. And in Ephesians 1, the Apostle Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe, The power is like the working of his mighty strength. Imagine if you were, go back to Isaiah, your name was the Lord saves, the Lord saves, the Lord saves. The Lord wants to open eyes. He wants to open the eyes of the blind and turn people from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. The question is, are we preaching the message that opens the eyes, and then are we willing to, as a church, be obedient ourselves? One writer says, Every day we treat God as incidental to what really matters to us. And we live by our own strategies of self-salvation. Isaiah can see that our lives are filled with fraudulent idols. You see, it takes us a long time sometimes to let go of our idols. And sometimes our idols in the modern age, they're, they're pretty tricky. They're not always easy for us to see. Isaiah writes as a contemporary of, if you're interested, two other prophets, Hosea and Micah. If you've read the book of Hosea, you know that the book of Hosea is addressing a people that have done what? They have left their first love. They have committed spiritual adultery on God, and they have done it by one word, idolatry. So if you want a theme of the book of Isaiah, the problem with the people of God is that they have embraced idols and one of the forms
0: of that
2: idolatry
0: is self-salvation you'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment
2: Merry Christmas from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team.
0: We're so grateful to all of our partners
1: who partner with Walk in Truth.
2: Since last year, our listener partnerships have grown. Last Christmas, we let our listeners know it cost over $150,000 a year to fund this ministry. That includes radio airtime podcasting, promotion, equipment, supplies, and one part-time staff member. At this time last year, we were excited to report listener support had reached 25% of our overall budget. The rest is funded by Living Truth Christian Fellowship Church Funds. Now that has grown to 31%. And because of that, we have added Walk in Truth to three more radio stations, where more people have had a chance to hear these teachings. We could still use your help too.
1: And if you've been listening for a while, you know that I rarely do this, and I'm not necessarily even comfortable asking for for finances but the reality is that this program has to pay for radio airtime and what we do and it's a blessing to partner with what you believe in with the gospel ministry that hopefully has been a blessing to you
2: if that's you would you please consider giving an end of the year tax deductible donation please give a one-time gift on behalf of you your family or business you can help us pay for airtime for the radio station or podcast app you listen to visit walkintruth.com and click on donate that's walkintruth.com. Click donate.
0: We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walkin' Truth.
1: Isaiah can see that our lives are filled with fraudulent idols. You see, it takes us a long time sometimes to let go of our idols. And sometimes our idols in the modern age, they're, they're pretty tricky. They're not always easy for us to see. Isaiah writes as a contemporary of, if you're interested, two other prophets, Hosea and Micah. If you've read the book of Hosea, you know that the book of Hosea is addressing a people that have done what? They have left their first love. They have committed spiritual adultery on God. And they have done it by one word, idolatry. So if you want a theme of the book of Isaiah, the problem with the people of God is that they have embraced idols. And one of the forms of that idolatry is self-salvation. They believe that they can do it on their own. They they have not gone to a depth that pleases God, but more than that, as you're gonna see in this chapter, they have bloody hands. Um, They go into worship, And they go through the forms of worship, but the heart is terribly far from the Lord. You know, so much debate in the modern church has come down to forms. Uh, We like hymns. We do it this way. We do this liturgy. We do it that way. We're right. You're wrong. This is the only way to do it. I'm not so sure that God's as concerned about forms as he is about heart. And what you're going to see in this chapter is that the people were going through the book of Leviticus as outlined by God. And God said, I'm sick of it. Because when you come into my house, you don't come with the right heart. Your hands are full of blood. And a good example would be, and I'm not here to condemn anybody, an abortion doctor killing innocent babies and going to a church on a Sunday and spreading out his hands and worship to God. How in the world can we believe that that would please God? Now, we know we're in a covenant of grace, and we understand that the grace of God is more than sufficient to deal with sin. But look, God does expect that there's going to be some outward change that follows an internal change. And at some point, we have to look at the book of Isaiah and say, Lord, help me to listen. Help me to look at what might be idols in my life, even if they're slipperier than I really realize, even if they're religious. Are you with me so far? This is the issue. And so he says something very important. He says, listen, this is Isaiah 1-2. Listen, O heavens, and hear, O earth, for the Lord speaks. This is what this book is about. The seer saw a word from the Lord. And the Lord, we have now entered into the imagery of a courtroom. The Lord is speaking as the plaintiff, one, two. And he says, he calls the heavens and the earth. He says, listen, listen, O heavens, hear, O earth, for the Lord speaks. And here's what he says. This is the imagery. Sons I have reared and brought up, but they have revolted against me. The verb revolted or rebelled in other versions also appears in the very last book of Isaiah. You might want to write it down, sixty six twenty four. And God is basically saying this I'm speaking as the plaintiff, and my witnesses are the heavens and the earth. Interestingly enough, the heavens and the earth were called as witnesses to the Mosaic Covenant with Israel. Hold your finger in Isaiah and go to Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Chapter 30. And I'm going to spend a good portion of our time in introduction and get as far as I can in the book, but I do want you to have a solid understanding of the uh, timing and so forth. So Deuteronomy thirty, look at verse fifteen. See, I've set before you today, Deuteronomy thirty, fifteen, life and prosperity and death and adversity. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, thirty sixteen, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. But if your heart turns away and you will not obey but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess it. I call what? Heaven and earth to witness against you today. So think of the courtroom scene. That I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live and your descendants. Here's how you do it. By loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, By holding fast to him. For this is your life and the strength of your days, that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give to them. Go back to Isaiah. So God gives us a courtroom scene. The Lord is the plaintiff, and he indicts Judah. He calls heaven and earth to be the witness because they were the witness at the Mosaic covenant. And he says, Take a look. Do you remember? You were the witnesses kind of like two witnesses maybe at a wedding ceremony. He said, you witnessed this. You heard what the people said when the, the blood was sprinkled. When they said all the words of this covenant, we will obey. You were there, and I called you to witness. And the Lord says, listen, O heavens, one, two. Hear, O earth, for the Lord speaks. And here's the imagery. I have brought up children. The first indictment is personal. It's a personal relationship. God the Father calls his children Israel. He calls Judah. He compares them to ungrateful children. I have nourished and brought up children, New King James, and they rebelled against me. Can you think of anything more personal or emotional than that?
0: You've been listening to The Lord is Salvation Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 1, 1 through 6. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth on this station and on your podcast app. If you'd like to watch recent messages or church services with Pastor Michael and the Living Truth Congregation, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Living Truth Christian Fellowship. You can find the channel and learn more about Walk in Truth on our website, walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael.
1: Well, as we study our Bibles, we realize that Israel is at the center of the Old Testament. And Israel is a nation specially picked by God to bring forth the Messiah. But Israel had sinned against the Holy One of God. And when we talk about the Holy One of God, we are talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, who is really pictured in Isaiah 6 when uh, Isaiah sees the, the vision of the Lord in the temple. And in John chapter 12, that vision is identified, the one that he saw is Jesus because Jesus is God. So the one that Israel had sinned against is the one that was born in Bethlehem that came to save Israel and the world from its sins. That's the amazing thing. The one that the nation wounded is the one that was wounded for their transgressions and for ours. This is the majesty of who our God is. And it brings us joy as we study a book like Isaiah that has Christmas prophecies in it, like in Isaiah chapter 7, an incredible messianic prophecy about the coming of the Messiah. He came to a people that had rejected him largely, but he came on a saving mission. And the book of Isaiah is all about salvation. It means Isaiah's name means the Lord is salvation. And that's what we celebrate this Christmas season, is the coming of salvation. Emmanuel, God with us. And so this brings us joy, true joy. Do you have joy this Christmas season? Well, joy can be a deep down abiding hope, despite what may be going on in the world or even in your personal world, because God came down in the person of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Well, here we are at Christmas time, and I wanted to let you know that we're uh, toward a goal, moving toward a goal of being a hundred percent listener supported. So, I pastor a church called Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, and we have made part of our church budget—budget, budget, literally, we could say our missions budget—to go out on radio to reach those who may not know the Lord or those who need sound Bible teaching in their area, et cetera, to encourage. Uh, the local church, as well, and we're thirty one percent toward our goal of being one hundred percent uh supported by our listening family. That means the church budget takes care of the rest and uh, it's a blessing for us to do so. This is great news we're we're climbing in terms of now we're almost one third supported by our wonderful listening family, and that's you, my friend, and my brother, my sister, and I want to thank our monthly partners. Uh, it's so wonderful to see you partnering with us every month, uh, making these programs possible. And if you would like to join our walk in truth partners, you can do that on our website. It's walkintruth.com. People are often looking for end of the year donations. Well, what better place to give than to walk in truth? Make sure your church comes first. But, you know, we believe in this mission. We know you do as well you can give a one-time gift if you want uh, whatever that amount may be maybe you want to give $100 maybe more or we're looking for uh, monthly partners of so let's say $20 a month now you can visit walkintruth.com and if you've been listening for a while you know that I rarely do this and I'm not necessarily even comfortable asking for finances but you know uh the reality is that this program has to pay for radio airtime and what we do and it's a blessing to partner with what you believe in with with the gospel ministry that hopefully has been a blessing to you now you can you can donate at walkintruth.com and when you click on the donate button there's something new there that's going to take you down to a place where you can click on where you listen do you listen in georgia arizona southern california are you up in the bay area in san francisco Wherever you may listen, are you in Utah or Northern Idaho? Um, These are some of the places that we air the program. And if you click on where you listen, that will help us know that we're making an impact in your area and you believe in the program. And that will help us with airtime and staying on the air. So we're so grateful for our partners of Walk in Truth. And it's a blessing to air the book of Isaiah during this Christmas season and beyond. Thank you so much. We love you. We appreciate you. And Lord willing, we'll see you for part three of The Lord is Salvation right here tomorrow.
0: And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Isaiah 1, verses 1 through 6, called The Lord is Salvation. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.